I also wanted to just say this from, from my heart as we begin tonight. This is a thrill for me to be able to feel like, as I share God's word, I'm investing in your lives. Because um, I, I have gone to different places on different occasions and spoken, and there's nothing more special to me than to invest in the lives of the folks, you being those folks, you students here at Cornerstone. Because when somebody, you know, when I go somewhere else and speak, it's here you go, goodbye, maybe I'll never see you again. And the opportunity to invest and to be able to see a little bit of the fruit in your lives as I've watched some of you grow over the years, and as I look forward to seeing you continue to grow over the years and to bear fruit for the glory of God is a special privilege for me, and I feel blessed to be able to be a part of it. Last thing I want to say is this before we start. Tonight's going to be a night of decision. The last night of camp always is. It's intentional. We, we want all of this to be about bringing you to a place of greater surrender to Jesus Christ. So we're, we're, we're unashamed about it and unapologetic, and we, we want you to know it's intentional, that tonight is going to be a night when you will be given the opportunity to make a decision for Jesus Christ. And camp can always be one of those emotional moments where, you know, one person gets moved you know, towards the Lord, and then you as their friends, you get moved with them, and before you know it, you know, everybody's moved, and nobody really knows why. And, you know, that's okay, it's okay to some degree, because I, I know that the Lord has given us emotion, and it's good to feel. And there are times you will feel joyful, and there are times you will feel broken, and there are times you will feel sad, and there are times that you will feel convicted, and there's times that you will feel forgiven, and, and, and the Lord walks us through all those emotions. Tonight, as, as we draw to a close, when you're given the opportunity to make decision, you need to make that decision on the basis of that personal tug you feel from the Lord, not because your friend's doing it. Or your friend's not doing it, but because you personally, this is, this is a room full of over 300 people, but tonight I want you to focus on not the other 299 or whatever. I want you to focus on just you and the Lord as if you're the only one tonight that the Lord is speaking to. Try your best to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord as an individual. And it's okay if you feel like, I, I don't feel led to respond. And it's okay if you feel led to respond. The most important thing is that you're honest with yourself and you're honest with God. That's the most important thing. You Don't feel any pressure, but also don't leave here with regret. Don't feel any pressure. But don't leave here with any regret. Everybody understand this? Good? Because it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a good time together. But let's go to the Lord. I have felt burdened all afternoon for this time. Burdened in a good way. Kind of heavy, but, you know, excited to see what the Lord's going to do. Um, I told uh, Nick before service began, no PowerPoints. I had all of that worked out. And I just felt like the Lord was saying... This is just going to be from the heart. This is going to be something that he wants you to be more focused on rather than kind of looking at the screen. So you can, I encourage you still to take notes, follow along. But um, I'm just going to share just as your pastor from my heart to you tonight. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time that we can share together. And this last night of camp, we just want to commit as a time for you, Lord, to just be invited here that you would move now in our midst and you would move in our hearts and that you would do your personal work by your Holy Spirit. And it's, Lord, we're asking if it's possible to even just shut out any other thoughts and any other ways that our minds would wander and just focus as if you were just right here standing in our midst 
We ask, Lord, for you to move by your spirit. Your word tells us to be still and to know that you are God. So I thank you, Lord, that even now there's, there's no rustling. There's just, there's that quietness before you. We don't want to miss what you would say to us tonight. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's open our Bibles to Luke. Let's look at our theme verse again, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Still hear a few pages rustling, so I'll wait. Everybody got it? Luke 9, let's start at verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father. And of the holy angels. This is very, these are very strong words from Jesus as he calls people to deny self, take up the cross, and follow him. We've talked about two of them last night. We talked about deny and die. Quick review remember the difference between self denial and denying self. Self denial is when you restrict yourself or refuse certain things because they're either sinful or they're not beneficial for you. That's important. But denying self means that you put self last, Christ first, others in between, right? Everybody remember this? It was just last night. Say amen. Okay, good. Just making sure everybody's here. Deny self, die to self, take up your cross daily. It's a daily decision. You're going to die to the sinful nature. You're going to crucify the flesh. You're going to leave the old ways. Every day fight that battle of the flesh that is warring against your soul. To live for the glory of God. Putting to death those sinful desires. Recognizing that as long as you and I live in a body of flesh, we will have this battle. We will have this war. And it is incumbent upon us to daily fight the flesh. Don't give in to sin. Don't just say, well, everybody else is doing it. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it is deny self, die to self, and now follow him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Write down two words for those of you who are taking notes. Write down the word code and cost. Code and cost. By code, I mean that there's a way to follow him. What is the way that we are to follow Jesus? First of all, understand this. Whenever there is this language about following, by definition it means that there is a leader and there is someone else who is coming behind. That's basic, but we need to get this. If Jesus is saying, follow me, the indication, the inference is, that there's a leader, and we are to follow that leader. There's a leader, and there are those who come behind. Who's the leader in this verse? Jesus is the leader. we got to get this. Jesus is saying, I'm the leader, I'm in charge, I'm Lord, I'm Savior, I'm sovereign. You choose to follow me. Jesus doesn't share it. It's not a co-op. He doesn't co-lead. He is leader, he is Lord, or he is not at all. And he calls us to follow him. This is not shared. He is in charge. He is calling the shots. Now, I I remember, and my kids can tell you this, that when we would vacation every year, typically we, we vacation in Ocean City. 
who else vacations in Ocean City? Yeah. It's a good place to hang out. And so when the kids were little, we used to go to this uh, place in Fenwick Island that had go-karts. And when the kids were little, there would be these little two-passenger go-karts. You guys remember riding these little two-passenger go-karts where mom or dad would get in with you, okay? Because when they were little, just like, you know, four, that kind of age. So they would, the way that those go-karts were rigged, you know how this works, right? That the driver's seat was not really the driver's seat. It was a fake driver's seat. But every little kid who crawled into the driver's seat on the left side of the vehicle thought they were driving that car. The fact is, on the right side of that car, where the parents would sit, had the real steering wheel and the real gas pedal and brakes. And so the little kids, when they get it on the right side and they got the steering wheel and they're all wide-eyed, they're like, yeah, let's go, baby, you know? And so... And so they're hitting a gas pedal that has no gas, all right? And they think that they're steering it, and that wheel can just turn. It doesn't do anything. And the whole while, when I would sit on the passenger side of that little go-kart, and the kids, as they're driving, they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, you're driving. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. The whole time, I'm the one driving, right? That's the whole idea here. We get to go along for the ride, but Jesus is in charge Jesus, take the wheel. Do you know what I'm saying, people? All right? He's in charge. He's the one who is driving. He is the leader. We are the followers. Now, let me illustrate this to you. I'm going to need a volunteer from the crowd. Can I get a volunteer from the crowd? Who wants to volunteer? I don't know how to choose it. Somebody just get up and come down. First one to get up and come. All right, I see this guy. No, I saw this guy right here. Come on down. Oh, it's my, my, my friend, Mr. Gribben. Tell everybody your first name. Daniel. Daniel Gribben. Correct? Yes. What grade? Going into seventh. You had to think about it. <laughs> Going into seventh. All right, my man. So here's the deal. Come over here. What's that? I'm coming over here. Thank you. All right, just come stand here. All right, you don't need to speak, all right? Just come here. There you go. All right, just relax. It's going to be fine. You look so nervous. Do you want to back out? (laughs) No. All right, okay. I'm just checking. All right, now, you see the stool over there? Yeah. (laughs) You doing all right? All right, you're a good sport. All right, now here's the deal. Now, it's going to be very simple, okay? I'm going to get to that stool. (laughs) What is so funny? (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea. All right, all right, try try to fight through it, all right? Fight through the pain. All right, here we go. I'm going to go walk to that, and I want you to follow me there, all right? All right, right, give me this. Give me this. Give me this. All right, can you do this? (laughs) All right, come here. All right, this is going to even look sillier. You're going to start even laughing more. But to get to there, I want you to just follow me. Okay? Okay? All right, here we go. Just keep following. Just wherever I go. Follow. You still there? I'm not looking. Are you laughing? Here you go. Are you still there? Good. Get behind me. All right. All right. There you go. Tap out. There you go. All right. Good. Now, wait. We're not done. Come here. Come here. Come here. All right. Now, hold this microphone. Okay. And right, now we're going to blindfold you. Oh, okay. All right. Here you go. Yay. All right. Here you go. All right, can you see anything? You sure? Pretty, wait, pretty sure? No, 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 that isn't, here, no, no, no. All right, make it so that you can't see. All right, there. Okay, good. All right, now, just stay there. Stay there. Now, I'm going to give you directions. 
Be careful, too. There's some wires here. I'm going to give you directions. Yeah, exactly. But now, don't get ahead of yourself, all right? You're going to fall off the stage. Did you, did, you did you have some Coke tonight? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, yeah. All right, listen, try to stay off the Coke. All right, now listen. Listen. No, not that kind. The high school, the, the high schoolers are like. The, the Gribbit kid's been snorting Coke. No. All right, now hold on. All right, can you see anything? Can you see anything? All right, here's the deal. I want you to follow my directions. Can you hear me? No peaky. No peaky. All right, go here. Here's what we're going to do. You're just going to listen to me, and I want you to walk slowly because there's, there's like the pedals up here from the band. I don't want you to be falling and tripping. There's like wires and all this other kind of stuff. But I want you to find the stool. Now, I've moved it. I'm going to tell you in advance. It's not where it was. So you're going to listen to me. Listen. Listen to me. All right, ready? One step forward. One step to your right. Oh, oh. Okay. Lefty Lucy. All right. One more step forward. Another step forward. Another step forward. No, you're right. One more step forward. All right, stop, 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 stop. All right, now I want you to turn to your right. Turn. Don't step. No, no. Turn. There you go. Turn a little bit more to the right. There you go. A little bit more. All right, now walk. One step. Stop. One more step. Stop. One more step. Go to your right. Turn to your right. Turn to your right. Go, to, go one step. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously, keep going. Just listen to me. No, wait, stop. I didn't say two, one. You're proving my illustration beautifully, by the way. All right. Now, turn to your left. Left. No. Okay, watch. Okay, watch the wires here. Okay, one step forward. Another step. Another step. All right, turn to your left. Ooh, you knew in advance. Left. One step. One step forward. All right, a little bit to your right. Right. All right, touch. Right there, right there. There you go. Let's give it up for the Coke drinking, Mr. Gribben. Thank you, bud. Coke. Coke. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that, bud. I hope they never legalize marijuana in this state. All the all right. Very good. Nicely done. Nicely done. Now, here's here's why I did that. There are two ways to follow the Lord. What was the first way? It's by sight. You follow by looking. What was the second way? What's the second way? Listening. Thank you. You follow by listening. You're going to follow the Lord either by looking, you're going to follow the Lord by listening. What do I mean? So write that down. This is, we're still on the code. There's a code, there's a way to follow Jesus. And there's two primary ways. You're going to follow him by looking, you're going to follow him by listening. Now, how do you look? Because we don't see Jesus right. He's not, he's not here in flesh. He's going to come again. But presently, he's, he's absent. He's in, he's in heaven. He's going to return. When Jesus was here on earth and people would follow him, I mean, they would literally, they, they would, wherever he walked, they would walk. Just like the first illustration, wherever he was going, they would just follow behind him. They would literally follow him because they could see him. How is it today that you can see Jesus? What are you supposed to look at to see Jesus? The Bible. 
The Bible is the way that you're going to see Jesus. Jesus is revealed in the pages of Scripture. He is the Word who became flesh to dwell among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten, full of grace and truth, is what John would write in John chapter 1. So Jesus is the Word, and the Word is preserved in the pages of Scripture. Listen, folks, this is so critical. You must be reading your Bibles, not because it's the rule and it's the right thing to do, but because you need to hear Jesus. If you're to follow Him, you have to know what is He about, what does He say, so that you can know how to obey Him. Jot down this verse, Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the psalmist is using language to declare two things. A lamp to your feet is like the immediate. A lamp unto your path is a little more long range. So in other words, the Bible is beneficial not only to understand the short-term plan of God, but the long-range plan of God. Somebody once told me, here, here's, let me back up before I say that. I get this question often. How can I know the will of God? How can I know how he's leading? How can I know his direction in my life? And somebody once told me this, and it was valuable counsel to me. You cannot ever expect to, to know the unrevealed will of God until you first learn the revealed will of God. Why is it that we always want to know the unknown but we're not willing to apply ourselves and discipline ourselves enough to read what is known. We need to get into the Word of God, read the Bible, memorize Scripture, understand the heart of the Father, His love for us, read the words of Jesus, get to know Him. If you want to follow Him, you have to look at Jesus and He is revealed in the pages of His Word. The Bible is fundamental to following Jesus. Again, this is in order. Deny self, die to self, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. To follow him is to know him. And to know him is by looking into his word. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says the word of God. This is Hebrews 4 12. The word of God is living and active Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. When I open up the Bible, my desire is, Lord, reveal yourself through the pages of your word and use your word to challenge and change me. You will not be able to follow Jesus unless you are reading this to know who he is and what he's about. Write this verse down, Psalm 32, verse 8. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. That's God's promise to us from Scripture, Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you. And watch over you. We have to be reading our Bibles. We have to know what Jesus says and who he is in order to be followers of his. So, the code for following him, number one, is to follow him by looking, looking into his word. Now, secondly, we follow by listening. So, that's, that was the other idea here. There's going to be times when we are to listen to the voice of the Lord. So you look at Jesus through his word. You listen to Jesus by his voice. You have to tune your ear to the voice of the Lord and then follow very carefully his instruction. Now, by the way, I joked a minute ago because when, when he made a left instead of a right, there are going to be different times when you're not going to get it just right. There are many times in my life when I thought I heard Jesus and I didn't get it just right. So I maybe made a left turn instead of a right turn, and I veered a little bit from what God intended because I didn't hear him just right. That's going to happen. Why? We're human. We're frail. We're not always going to get things just right. But here's the beauty of it. God in his sovereignty and his love for us 
will begin to redirect us. Don't live your lives feeling like there's some fatalistic, if I make one wrong turn, then my life is doomed. There's going to be mistakes we all make in life. God is big enough and sovereign enough to redirect us. There will be some times you get it wrong. You don't hear quite right. And you will act on what you think. Only to find out later, I'm not sure now this was really what God said. Okay, but he's big enough and sovereign enough to redirect your life. So don't get stuck in this fatalistic thing of, if I get it wrong, I need one wrong move and then I'm doomed and the whole thing is over. No, no, no. God is bigger than that. He's bigger than one mistake that we get wrong. Now and again, he will redirect. Okay? So, listen to him. Now, what does that mean, to listen to the voice of the Lord? Well, it involves, obviously, being able to distinguish His voice from all other clutter and clamor. Your own voice, the voice of the enemy, Satan's going to try to whisper things. The voice of just other people trying to tell you. And you're going to have to sift through all of that and begin to hear the voice of the Lord. And And of course, you're thinking, how can I distinguish that? It takes time. It takes practice. There are many times that I'm, and I will will always be this. And I think that every Christian, if they were honest enough, should say what I'm about to say. There are times when I'm never completely sure. It, It scares me when somebody just feels like they, oh, I have a red line to heaven, and I know exactly what God says, and when He says it, and I mean, I just really... Are you, are you that spiritual that you, you always know? I make a little bit of room for my own humanity in all of that. So there are times I will say, I think this is the voice of the Lord. So I'm going to take like a little step in this direction. And I'm going to trust that if I didn't get it right, God's going to redirect it. But until he shows or says otherwise, I'm, just, I'm going to keep taking these little baby steps and moving in that direction. You are not too young to hear the voice of the Lord. You remember if you, if you were in, uh, again, what we call big church a couple of weeks ago, and I started into the book of First Samuel, and, and there is young Samuel who is living in the tabernacle of the Lord under the, the high priest Eli, and in the middle of the night, the Lord begins to speak to him. I mean audibly. An outside voice, the Lord actually appears and speaks to young Samuel. Samuel's about 12 years of age. And he begins to realize, thinking that it was the voice of Eli the priest. And three times he goes in to Eli the priest and says, did you call me? Eli said, I didn't call you. Finally, by the third time, Eli says, this is probably the voice of the Lord. Next time, I want you to go back, lie down. And when you hear this voice speak to you, just simply answer, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. You're not too young. Samuel was like 12 years of age. Go to John chapter 14. Sorry, John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, these are the words of Jesus, verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because, notice, they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact... They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus is using terms of his day, shepherd, sheep. uh, And he, he talks in terms of how sheep will recognize the voice of the shepherd. Again, if you were in church a few weeks ago, I shared this story about how one time when I was in Israel, there were about three or four shepherds that were uh, tending their sheep out in the countryside and, and their, their flocks were mixed so there, were, there may have been, I don't know, 30 or 40 sheep and about three or four shepherds. 
and uh, the shepherds are just kind of mixing and talking together, and their sheep were all grazing together. And you couldn't tell one flock from, from another. But when one of those shepherds left, finished a conversation with the others, started to walk away, he called to the sheep. He called them. And only his sheep stopped grazing, lift up their heads, looked in the direction of his voice, and they left and they started following after him. The other sheep that didn't belong to that particular shepherd just kept grazing away. Just kept grazing away. Because they were tuned to the voice of that particular shepherd. When you walk in fellowship with Jesus, you will eventually be more and more in tune with his voice. Look further in John's Gospel, chapter 10. Look at verse 27. Verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about following him. Listening to the voice of the Lord. My sheep, he says, know my voice. Now then, this brings up the great question. Do you hear an audible voice of God? Or do you hear an inward voice of God? I personally have never heard an external audible voice of God. But I don't discount it. I think it is rare. When you look in the Bible, I think it is rare that God audibly speaks to people. But I think he still can. And I don't think any of us should say that God can't, what God can or cannot do. And uh, we have to be open to that possibility that God can speak to people still audibly today. But again, when you look at the number of times he speaks audibly to people over the course of the Bible, which covers about 4,000 years of human history, it's actually rather rare. But we are still making room for God to be able to speak however he jolly well wants, okay? So he can speak audibly, but it might be rare. So that means the more often ways that God speaks to us is through what we often call that still small voice. Now let me tell you where that, where that phrase came from, still small voice. You don't need to turn there, I'll just summarize it. But if you're taking notes, write down 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it's a story of Elijah the prophet. And Elijah the prophet was used by God in powerful ways. And after he had this powerful experience on Mount Carmel, he actually hit a spiritual slump. Yes, even a prophet of God like Elijah. And he got discouraged. And he ran away and he was all flustered and depressed and he went into a cave. And uh, he began to pray to the Lord. And it was kind of a pity party. He said, Lord, you know, I'm the only faithful prophet and I've worked my tail off serving you. And I don't know why I think Elijah had a country accent, but anyway, he doesn't. But, you know, and I've, I've labored so long and I've served you so hard and I'm the only one left. And the Lord said, why don't you just let me reveal myself to you for just a minute here, Elijah. Why don't you just come out to the entrance of the cave that you're hiding in and let me reveal myself to you. So Elijah comes and stands out at the entrance of this cave. And the Bible says that the Lord displayed himself in a mighty wind. And it says that the wind was a violent wind and it, and it, and it hit the mountain of this cave where he was. And the mountain collapsed and rocks were falling. And then it adds, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then the Lord brought this display of an earthquake, and the earth trembles, and there's this powerful presence of the Lord, but it says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then the Bible says that God displayed fire, and he just like blows out fire from heaven, and just and here's this display of fire in front of Elijah, and Elijah sees his fire, and it adds, but the Lord was not in the fire. It says, and then the Lord spoke in a gentle whisper. And the King James Bible says, in a still, small voice. NIV says gentle whisper. King James says still, small voice. That's often how God will speak. Sometimes we want the, 
the fire and the earthquake and the wind. We want the dramatic. We want God speak to me. God show up in the middle of the night in my cabin tonight and just, you know, reveal you and speak to me. And maybe he will, because I'm not going to limit God for sure. But the most often way he speaks to us is not in the display of all of that, but it is in his gentle whisper. And we have to be able to tune our ears to hear. That means we have to be still enough and quiet enough to be able to hear that still small voice of the Lord. And it will come, the recognition of it, through time. When you go home and you go through the front door of your house and, you know, let's say somebody else picked you up and took you home after camp and mom and dad are there and you come through your door and you say, mom and dad, I'm home, and you hear an answer in another room you don't have to wonder, is that my mom's voice? Is that, is that my mom's voice? I don't, I don't even know. Is that my mom's voice? You know it's your mom's voice. And if your dad says, hey, I'll be right there, you know your dad's voice. Why? You've had relationship with him. And over time, you recognize her voice. When your mom calls you on the phone, does she have to identify herself? Does she have to actually say, hi, I just want you to know this is your mom? No, you know your mom's voice. You know your dad's voice. You know your brother's voice, your sister's voice. You know people that you're friends with and family members with because you have built a relationship with them. You will begin to distinguish the still small voice of the Lord the more you develop relationship with him. A little trial, a little error, a little time. But together, incline your ear to the voice of the Lord. You are not too young to hear the voice of the Lord. Look into his word and listen to his voice in order to follow him. That's the code. Everybody got that? That's the way. Follow him by looking into his word and listening to his voice. Here's the second word now. I told you to write down code and cost, right? Code and cost. Now we're going to talk about the cost of following Jesus. This is very important. The cost of following Jesus. Go back to Luke chapter 9. It's interesting because here in the middle of Luke is our theme verse about deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow Jesus. And Luke chapter 9 concludes with three guys who were interested in following Jesus, so they thought. And here's how Luke chapter 9 ends. Look at verse, uh, starting at verse 57. Verse 57 says, As they were walking along the road... A man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Very interesting. Here's what we have, your attention here. Jesus has conversation with three different men. The first guy comes up to Jesus and says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Please, in your Bibles, there's an operative word that each person says that reveals their heart. The operative word from guy number one is wherever. Circle that in your Bibles. He says, I will follow you wherever you go. Circle that, wherever. That's the key word that lets us know a little insight into this guy's heart. Because what Jesus helps us to understand is that, in fact, this guy's not going to follow him wherever he goes. And Jesus calls him out, basically, and he says, listen, foxes have holes. That's where they live holes in the ground. Birds have nests. That's where they live. Nests in the tree. He says, son of man has no place to lay his head. You still willing to follow me wherever? Because I don't even have a bed at night. Are you prepared to go with me wherever I go? What Jesus is revealing to us is the fact of the matter, this guy's heart, he's not interested in this wherever stuff. And Jesus knows it. 
says, you're not interested in going with me wherever. I don't even have a bed to lay in at night. If you want to follow Jesus, cost number one is it's an unconditional following. You cannot attach anything to it. This guy was the wherever guy, but he didn't really mean wherever. And Jesus calls him out. And if you want to be a true follower of Jesus, you have to have this unconditional response towards him. Wherever, whenever, however, whatever, I'm following Jesus. It has to be this heart that says, whatever you want me to do, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whomever you want me to witness to, it is the whatever, wherever, however life in following Jesus. It's going to cost us something. And some people are just not up for the task, in other words. This guy looks like he's up for it. He's like, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus is basically, really? Because I don't even have a bed at night. If you want to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot attach any conditions to it. You need to say, wherever, however, whenever, whatever, whomever. You can't negotiate with Jesus. Jesus says, when you start to look into his word and listen to his voice to follow him, he says, hey, you're fooling around with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I want you to stop doing that. That's sin. That's displeasing to me. You're being sexually immoral. You want to follow Jesus? You, you, you just can't say, well, you know, I, I will follow you except for that. No, it's an unconditional. Wherever, whenever, however, whomever. You begin to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Later, you, you get to an age where you really feel like the Lord is tugging your heart in a direction, maybe on the mission field. But you're like, Lord, I'm going to go anywhere, wherever, just, just not China. I don't want to go to China. We can't attach any conditions. Well, Lord, I, I want to be faithful. I want to follow you, but I, I just don't want to ever witness to a living soul. All I want to do is I want to go to heaven. It's all about me and you, and I really don't want to witness to other people. Witnessing makes me nervous. It's going to be uncomfortable. Following Jesus is going to be a little uncomfortable. There's a little unknown factor in all of this. Wherever, whenever, however, whomever, Lord, I'm following you. Guy number one. Didn't really mean the word that he said. Guy number two, what does he say? Guy number two says, first, let me go bury my father. The operative word in that guy's sentence is the word first. Circle that word, first. First, let me go bury my father. Now, it looks like Jesus' response is uncompassionate, doesn't it? I mean, for Jesus to say, well, let the dead bury the dead. But you need to go and preach the gospel. That almost sounds like a, a, a heartless response, doesn't it? It's like the guy's father has just died and Jesus is like, somebody else can bury him. Who cares? You need to go preach the gospel. That's not what is happening here. Let me tell you why. In a Jewish home, even today in Israel, when somebody dies, according to Jewish law, that person must be buried before sunset that day. They don't do it like we do today. Somebody dies, three or four days later we have a funeral, and then they, then they get buried or cremated or whatever it might be. No, no, no. In a Jewish family, even today, if a Jew dies in Israel, they are buried before sunset that same day. The fact that this guy is out and about having conversation on the streets as Jesus is walking by, Jesus says, why don't you follow me? Well, first let me go bury my father, indicates to us his father has not died. And his father is not near death, because if he was near death, he'd be at home. And if he had died, he'd be burying him. What the guy is literally saying is, eventually, when my father dies, and I get his inheritance, and I got all that straightened out, then I'll come follow you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, basically, not now. Not now. Wait until someday when my dad dies, and when I get all that settled, then I'll respond to you. You know how many not now people there are? 
Jesus says, no, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, literally what he's saying is, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. You need to go now and preach the gospel because who knows when dad's going to die. The urgency is now. And if you want to be a real follower of Jesus Christ, don't put it off. Don't think to yourself, I'll be a follower of Jesus when, well, when I graduate from high school, when I graduate from college, when I get married, maybe the person I marry will want to go to church and will get serious about God. No, there's no waiting. The operative word there is first. Jesus must be priority. If you were to be a follower of his, don't wait. You don't know tomorrow. I had a guy that came to my office one time. He worked for the planning commission for the town of Leesburg. When we were going through our whole building application process years ago, trying to get the whole thing started on our property that we we're about to build on soon, one of the members of the planning commission was not a believer, just struck up a friendship with me. And every once in a while, he'd come by the church office and he'd drop by and he would just kind of want to chit-chat with me about the Bible and about the Lord. He was just really curious about things. He was like a southern gentleman. He had all these southern expressions. And he was just a very... Uh, just kind of old school, uh, very polite gentleman kind of way about him. Always usually wore a hat and a sport coat. And, and, and he talked with kind of a southern accent because he was from the south. And every time that guy would leave my office, I would offer him the opportunity. His name was David. David, you want to get right with the Lord? You want to receive Christ as your Savior today? And he gave me the same answer every time. He'd call me Reverend. Reverend Hamrick, maybe tomorrow. And then another week or two would go by and he'd come back to my office, just unannounced. And I would always tell Marilyn, if you see David come by, just let him come into my office. If I'm here, I'll be glad to visit with him. Sure enough, he would do this time after time after time. And every single time, at the end of our conversation, David, you ready to give your heart to Jesus? Reverend Hamrick, maybe tomorrow. One day when he left my office, he was walking downtown Leesburg had a massive heart attack on the sidewalk and dropped dead. There was no tomorrow. Now, I don't know. I hope and pray that on his own, he made a decision to trust Christ outside of my office because he heard it. He knew it. I hope I'm going to see him in heaven because somewhere between my office and that unfortunate event on the sidewalk in downtown Leesburg, I'm hoping that he made a decision to follow Christ. My point is there may not be a tomorrow. Don't think you're too young. I've done more funerals for people under the age of 30 than I've done funerals for people over the age of 30. Life happens, and so does death. Don't wait. This guy said, first... Let me go bury my father who wasn't even near death. And then maybe later. The third guy comes along. And his answer is, well, first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Then I'll come follow you. Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for service in the kingdom. What's he saying? If you know anything about farming, if you've ever, you know, now they don't have the horse-drawn plows like they used to. Now it's, you know, mechanical and it's motorized. But either way, when, when you're moving a plow in a garden, if you're plowing in this direction, while you're looking this direction, you will never be going in a straight line. To plow properly, you have to have another reference point. You have to look ahead, and as you're plowing, you keep your eye on something straight ahead, and you keep moving in that direction to make a straight line as you're plowing. Jesus is basically saying, if you don't keep your eye on me, if you keep looking back, you're never going to be fit for the service of the kingdom. The operative word in that third guy's statement is, let me go back first to my family. Those are the words, go back. And those are the words that Jesus addresses because he says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for service in the kingdom. Now, again, it seems almost uncompassionate, doesn't it? The guy just wanted to say goodbye to his family. You know what really is the issue there? He wanted to go back because particularly in a Jewish home, family approval was everything. And family approval is a good thing. We all want family approval. We want people in our family to love us and especially to like us. And we don't want to do anything to rock the boat. We want everybody to be happy and want there to be peace in the family. 
What this guy was really saying was, let me first go back, get family approval, and then I'll come and follow you. Jesus says, if you take your eyes off of me and you look back, if you think going forward with me is looking back for family approval, you will never be serving me in the kingdom. Now, this is a hard reality, but I need to say this to to all of you. And I say this because I deeply love all of you. Some of you have come from a strong Christian home, and that is a wonderful thing. You ought to be thankful for that heritage. Your parents go to church. Uh, Most of them, no doubt, go to Cornerstone, but maybe some other church because you were invited here. And you come from a wonderful home with a wonderful Christian heritage and and a father and a mother or maybe a, a single parent who loves the Lord and you've been given a wonderful heritage. Here's your challenge. You have to own your own relationship with Jesus. It can't be about mom's relationship with Jesus or dad's relationship with Jesus. You have to own it yourself. And on the other hand, there are many of you who are here and you don't have that family support. Your parents aren't Christians. They don't pretend to be. Or maybe one is a Christian and the other isn't a Christian. Maybe they were even reluctant for you being here at camp. And you know when you go back home, you're not going to have that loving support because you don't have that kind of a Christian support system that's there in your family. And so the challenge for you is you're going to have to be courageous because you're going to feel like you don't have the kind of support that some of your other Christian friends do because you're kind of all on your own. You're in, the, you're in a family that doesn't, they don't really know Christ and so you're kind of it. I don't know which one, which category you fit in, whether you come from a strong Christian home or not a Christian home at all. Maybe there's a nominal Christian thing in the middle. But whatever it is, you have to personally own it or you have to have the courage to have a relationship with Jesus and you can't keep looking back for family approval. Further on in Luke chapter 12, I think it's verses 52 and 53, you know what Jesus says? He says, I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. For there will be conflict in a family where he talks about father against son and mother against daughter. They might, there might be some conflict in your home because you're a believer or soon to be a believer at the end of camp and your parents are not. And Jesus says, expect there's going to be some difficulty, some conflict in your family because you're going to believe in Jesus and your parents may not. Whatever the case is, look at those three comments together from those three people in that passage there in Luke chapter 9. The first guy, what does he say? What's the first guy say? What is it? Wherever. What's the second guy say? First, what's the third guy say? Go back. Here's the key to following Jesus. Here's the code. Follow him by looking at Jesus, looking to his word, listening to Jesus, still small voice in particular. And then when you follow him, here's the cost. You need to be able to say Jesus and mean it sincerely, not like that first guy. Wherever, whenever, however, whomever, I'm yours. You need to be able to say, like the second guy should have said, you are first, you are priority, you are number one, you are Lord, you are Savior, you are supreme in my life. And you need to be able to say, like the third guy should have been able to say, there's no turning back. I'm going to obey Jesus. He's going to be number one in my life. And number three, there's no turning back. Are you willing to say that? This is hard stuff that Jesus says. But there is a cost to following him. Here's what I want to do. I first want to pray for those of you who fall into category number three. In particular, those of you who live in a home where either one, listen to me, please don't stir. This is important. You live in a home where either one or both parents are not believers. Okay? If you live in a home where either one or both parents are not Christians, are not believers, I want to just be able to pray for you. Okay? Can you stand if that relates to you? You live in a home where either one or both of your parents are not believers. God bless you guys. 
Because I pray if you don't already know Christ, by the end of tonight, you will know Christ. And my encouragement to you is you're going to go back into a home where it may not be encouraged. Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for service in the kingdom. Be more concerned about the approval of your heavenly father than any other person including your parents. And I want to pray for you that God would especially give you the strength and the courage to live out your faith, even though you may not have one or either parent who encourages you in that regard. Okay, so I want all of us to pray for those who are standing. Come on, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, you see those who are standing. And you know, Lord, that their home may not be a place where it is the greatest support system, where they are encouraged in their faith because one or both parents don't know you. So, Lord, I want to pray for two things. First, I want to pray that you would strengthen and encourage those who are standing, that they would be strong in their faith, that they would live out their faith in a steadfast way not seeking the approval of their parents or anyone else, but only seeking the approval of you, Lord. Secondly, I pray for their parents. We ask, Lord, that one or both of them would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because you love them as much as you love their children. And I ask, Lord, that you would move in those families and in those homes that maybe even through the testimony of these students going back into their homes, it will be a witness to mom or dad. And that these students here standing would be the reason why perhaps mom or dad would even come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because you will use them now as a tool to help bring their parents to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Strengthen these students, Lord, who are standing. And encourage them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Now, here's the other invitation for tonight. We've talked about deny, die. Now we've talked about follow. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you know him already? Do you want to know him? Do you want to make a courageous decision tonight to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Will it take some courage? You better believe it will take some courage. To put Jesus first. To say, Lord, I fully surrender wherever, whenever, however to your will. And I don't want to look back. And I'm not looking for the approval of people. I just want to please you and follow you. Lord, I just want to seek you and live for you. This is the invitation tonight. Some of you who already know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior ought to be very thankful for what you know, for the relationship that you have with Him. But others of you tonight, this is your opportunity to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Don't leave camp with regret. Don't feel pressured like I've got to do this because this is the last day of camp and it's expected of me and my friends are looking at me. No, no. Don't do it for that reason. But also don't leave here with regret and get back home and think, I should have made that decision. Tonight's going to be the opportunity for you to publicly say, I want to follow Jesus. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And then the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And when you hear that song start, if you want to follow Jesus tonight, and by that what I mean is that you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're in a place where you want to recommit your life to Jesus. But if you sincerely want to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, no turning back, I don't care what others think, I want to be fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, I want to deny myself, die to myself, and I want to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. As soon as you hear that music, then I'm going to ask you to come and stand down front here. And then as many as are standing here, I'm going to lead in a word of prayer. Okay? This is your opportunity.
not under compulsion, not because anybody expects you, but only because you feel and hear that still small voice of the Lord saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my burden is easy, and I will give you rest for your souls. Lord Jesus, you're present here because your word says where two or more are gathered, you're in our midst. So you're here tonight. I'm asking, Lord, now by your Holy Spirit to move among all these students that you would tap the heart of whichever ones you want to respond tonight. May Youth Camp 2014 be a memory marker in their lives where some for the very first time will say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't care what others think. I just care what God thinks. And I know that he died for my sins and that he loves me so much. And so, Lord, I just want to follow you. Father, begin to move now by your Holy Spirit and draw unto yourself such as should be saved. Visit us here, Lord. Be glorified.